Welcome to the SOSV Climate Tech Summit podcast series. I am the AI voice of Ben Joff, a partner at SOSV and co-curator of the summit. In this episode, three founders of platforms promoting careers in climate discuss the misconception that climate jobs are only for scientists and activists and emphasize that climate jobs can be found in various industries. They also highlight the need for more skilled workers in the clean economy and the importance of building a talent pipeline. They encourage individuals to take action and contribute to the climate movement in their respective fields. This conversation is moderated by Matt Myers, founder and AMP general partner of Climate Tech Circle. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And it's my pleasure to introduce our three panelists that will be joining us on this panel. Uh, the first is Eugene Kurpachov. He's co-founder and executive director of Work on Climate and is building a systems change movement to make climate work mainstream. We also have Jamie Alexander, a director of Drawdown Labs, and they are working on a job function action guide that highlights specific high-impact climate actions employees in common corporate professions can take at work. And finally, we have Anshuman Bapna, founder of Teradu. Their mission is to get 100 million people working in climate this decade, which seems to be the metric that everybody here is aiming for. And so with that being said, let's open this conversation with a general question. And I'll allow either of you or all of you to jump in and give your point of view. But what do most people think of when we say climate jobs? Yeah, great question. I think uh, my impression is that when most people think climate job, they think not me. Uh, they, they think that it is something for climate scientists, for politicians, activists, maybe for solar installers, but people absolutely, and we have the hard numbers to prove this, they do not realize that it's something that they can actually do. Interesting. Jamie, what about you? What's your take on that question? Yeah, it's such a good question to open up with because I do think there's a lot of different ways that different people take that. At Project Drawdown, there are a lot, you know, we, we know that there are lots of climate solutions out there. So um, part of our work is to really show that climate jobs are everywhere throughout every part of the economy. I think one of the things uh, which is cool about where we've ended up is that it's a, we have a very global community, uh, which is also the nature of the crisis. And uh, maybe the anecdote that I'll give you is from India, which is a very critical geography for climate action. When I say climate or climate jobs, uh, it takes people to a couple of seconds before they say, oh, you mean plastics? Oh, you mean biodiversity? Mm. Oh, you mean water? Which is interesting because they are actually all connected uh, in, in a deep, deep way. But this notion that climate jobs are a single thing is, uh, is not true. Uh, globally and probably not true even in the US. So then to get more specific, um, what types of jobs are we seeing in climate? And I guess we could start with climate tech and then broaden the aperture, if you will, to include other types of roles. But Eugene, if you want to take a crack at that one. I think the most important thing to know or understand when talking about climate work is that climate solutions are not a separate industry it's the act of rebuilding rebuilding every single industry we have it's about you know rebuilding from gas vehicles to electric vehicles transitioning our food systems from meat to alternative proteins transitioning our energy systems from dirty energy to clean energy 
and so on. So it's it's the same jobs that the, our economy already has, just with some new skills to make it low carbon. That's really all there is to it. So it's the same, say, mechanical engineers building electric vehicles, just maybe with more electrical engineering knowledge. It's the same food scientists you know, building foods, just with maybe some alternative protein chemists in the mix to make the alternative proteins taste good and be cheap and so on. And to double click on any one of those jobs and industries, what are you seeing that we have a, a big shortage of? <laughs> uh, it's uh, probably easier to find things that we don't have a shortage of. We have uh, shortages <laughs> pretty much everywhere. Like, if you, the most well-known part of these shortages is the skilled trade shortage, where, for example, we know that the U.S. alone needs eighty thousand new electricians per year, and instead we're losing three thousand per year. But then there are shortages of people where there is not that not that many jobs, but they are absolutely critical for the industry's ability to survive. For example, we have already run out of you no know, electrolyzer engineers, without whom it's really hard to scale the green hydrogen industry. We mm -hmm. have had decades where we were training barely any nuclear engineers. So now we have trouble creating more generation capacity. The battery industry has run out of uh, battery chemists. And by run out, I mean that there are bidding wars and that large companies are hiring uh, people just so that other companies have literally nobody to hire. Mm. And then there are shortages in the corporate world uh, where a lot of, you know, Fortune 500 companies set ambitious net zero targets. And then, and I'm not making this up, you know, companies with tens of thousands of employees find that they have two people who know anything about climate mm -hmm. action in the entire mm -hmm. company. And they know how to do it the 80s way and not the 2020s way. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great opportunity to transition to Jamie. What, um, from your aperture, is it that... Uh, everybody can do because uh before we hopped on the call you said that uh everybody can make their job a climate job and so could you please um help elaborate on that yeah thanks i mean i think yeah i think about there's so many different ways you can think about climate jobs but the way that resonates the most with me personally is you know i think about let's imagine that you know earth is sick, right? Like we are hemorrhaging greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere. So if Earth is like on the on the in the emergency room, we need to both stop the bleeding, right? So we need to stop doing things that are exacerbating and accelerating this problem. And we need to get on a good health regimen. We need to like build the future we need. So we need to both you know, we, we need to both stop the things that are currently happening inside our existing companies, our existing systems, our existing heavy emitting industries, and then also build the future that we want to move toward. And so I think that takes both the inside strategy and the outside strategy. It requires people deeply inside the system, people who work, who are climate concerned and educated and, you know, like go through the Teradotu program who, who, you know, who go through, you know, who work with like work on climate and understand what they can do inside their existing corporations and jobs. And we need people to go outside of the system and say, I'm going to build the future in this, you know, in like a tech startup, or I'm going to go and like do something to move the, to move us forward. And I think we need both. And that's why I think, you know, we, we, yes, we need people moving into like climate jobs, but we also need deeply committed people inside existing corporations to like mess, you know, to, to tear stuff down that is no longer working and to stop the bleeding that we desperately need to stop. 
Um, mm -hmm. Let's let's double click on an example. Let's say I work in finance at a large corporation. Um, you could pick the industry. What uh, what could I do to uh, make my job a climate or at least climate-ish job? That's a, such a fantastic question. I, I couldn't have teed that one up better myself. I mean, you know, Foster, we, we did not, we did not, uh, you know, uh, practice this beforehand, folks. We so. did not. I, but I, I do, I do really appreciate that question because, I mean, money is the, you know, fi the finance, the, the this whole system of how money moves around and, you know, funds different things is exactly what is fueling the climate crisis. So big banks, you know, the, the biggest financiers of fossil fuels are the biggest banks in the world. Big corporations have their money and, you know, their, their corporate cash in, inside those banks. Their, their employees, 401ks, retirement savings, treasure, like, you know, all of the things that corporations, you know, all the like the big money that they're that they mm -hmm. have in the bank is all with those big companies. So what that money is doing while we're all sleeping is in large part financing the, the climate crisis by going to the to fossil fuel companies and to other heavy emitting sectors. And so if corporations banded together and said, hey, this is not acceptable, you know, the way what our money is doing in this bank is not compatible with our with our sustainability goals. That's a big that's a big way that, you know, that we could help shift the tilt the global financial system toward climate solutions and stop the blood flow to fossil fuels. And so people in finance can really work within that, you know, can can who they understand in ways that I will never understand how money flows and where their where their company is keeping their cash holdings and insurance and green, you know, their their company's retirement plans. So they can, you know, they can really, you know, try to understand that and and take that, um, you know, make that an issue inside the company and have their company like lead on, on that on that issue and bring the world along with them. Mm, fantastic. And Anshman, you mentioned uh, the word global when you were speaking um, first. And also, I noticed that you've really emphasized the point that your organization has been global from day one. And so um, let's kind of dive into that a little bit more. What uh, you mentioned India um, and uh, what types of jobs are you seeing um, that are in shortage that we really need more of that are not necessarily in the United States, but in, in, in different countries? And how does that vary if so, from what we see here? Yeah, I think, uh, so for us, uh, what we've seen is that uh, a big part of what's happening outside of the US and EU to a certain extent is essentially the energy transition. So moving from the existing fossil fuel infrastructure to renewables, which are thankfully at a point where uh, the cost curves justify building out new infrastructure to be entirely renewable. There, the challenge is identical, uh, which is that we don't have enough solar uh, installers. We don't have enough uh, electricians. Uh, just to give you one anecdote uh, from Africa, where uh, uh, of in all of Africa, there are about 17 different places where you can get solar installation training institutes, hmm. which means that, uh, so for example, Tan uh, Tanzania is a country that does not have one. So therefore, if you want solar installation training to happen, you need to fly people from Tanzania into Kenya, 
which is essentially an expensive, uh, significantly expensive, and it kind of just, just slows down the entire deployment process. So that's on one side. I think on the complete other side, uh, and India is a great example of that, where uh, it feels like we there is this entire world of adaptation and resilience, which is beyond mitigation. It's not about reducing carbon emissions. It's about making sure that people living in all these different parts of the world who are already affected by climate change have disaster resilient crops, have the ability to uh, to finance uh, 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 things that are a lot more climate uh, friendly for their different consumption products. And none of that infrastructure exists right now. And frankly, there's not even a lot of uh, uh, push on the uh, on the policy side to solve for adaptation and resilience there. The bigger challenge is that there's, uh, uh, unlike the other places where you can have capitalism uh, work its magic, markets work their mm -hmm. magic, adaptation and resilience is not really a place where it's obvious where the money is going to come from. It is obvious at one level, but it's obvious at the level that, well, the highest uh, historic emitters should be paying uh, the countries or the populations that haven't emitted uh, so far for that transition to happen. And we have been doing fits and starts. There have been some progress, but not a lot. So there's a lot of work and attention that needs to be paid to that side. Mm, really interesting. It's uh, different um, shapes and sizes for different countries, right? And and the problems that they're trying to solve and, and their current conditions. And so I think that segues well into um, the next question, which I think is really important. We have, um, from my understanding, we have you know quite a few um, people from corporates listening in and investors, and we have uh, people running startups and companies, people wanting to find work in climate. And so thinking of all those different people, types of people who are listening in, how do we get more people into climate um, and what can they do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Eugene, there you is... go first. Yes, there is a couple of answers to that. So there is already a big supply for climate jobs. Uh, there is a big demand for climate jobs, but they're not matching perfectly. There are jobs that nobody can do. And there are people for whom there isn't a job. Uh, so it's not a perfect situation. It's not just about matching. So, uh, but matching is a big part of it. So one thing that we definitely can do is uh, just bring up the awareness that it's a thing, that you can work on climate in a lot of roles or in a lot of roles, you can almost work on climate if you just get a couple more relevant skills. So that's definitely one thing we can do. But generally, uh, you know, we need to build a talent pipeline uh, for the clean economy. Uh, the talent pipeline we have today is uh, not remotely prepared to bring it because today the average career path includes uh, nothing that gives people those new skills and it includes nothing that lets people know that it's possible for example uh, the absolute majority of accountants graduating today know nothing about carbon accounting and you know we need to change that the majority of uh, you know chemists today are not really specializing in battery chemistry and enough of them need to be specializing in that so what we need is just like we need the entire economy to team up to reduce emissions we need the entire workforce development ecosystem to team up to create a workforce for that economy. So this cannot be solved uh, in silos. This cannot be solved by just doing climate schools, climate job boards, and climate communities. It's just not going to adapt to nearly the workforce we need. We need full participation from schools, you know, education accreditors, government bodies, economic development agencies, mainstream VCs, and so on. 
And just to stick with this for a second, because I know that um, that your organization uh, actively works on making systems level change, which mm-hmm. uh, which of those levers so far is proving to be most effective that you just listed mm-hmm. off? Yeah, so we don't know yet. Uh, we are at the beginning uh, of this. Uh, we have been advocating for this for a bit, and now we're starting to actually do our first big initiatives on this front. So we are working towards creating essentially a talent ecosystem accelerator and industry mm-hmm. body that is going to help all of these organizations in the workforce development and education ecosystem adapt faster to what the new economy demands. So this isn't going to be an industry body that you know asks them to do it or that lets them put a logo on their website. It's an industry body that will help them do it faster. And we're starting this uh, with a workshop that we're doing at New York Climate Week, focused just on advanced STEM roles and climate hard tech. And for the first time, we're bringing together all the stakeholders from the climate ecosystem that need this, you know, ARPA-E, DOE, accelerators, startups, and so on, as well as stakeholders from the workforce ecosystem, such as local universities and school systems uh, and economic development systems in New York. And then we're kicking off uh, a working group for the rest of the year that will actually scope out and execute certain specific interventions. For example, maybe mm. some schools will actually upgrade their chemistry curriculum as a result of that. Or maybe some funders will actually put this on their agenda and develop a workforce strategy. Mm. Amazing. Really interesting. Jamie, the, this question goes to you next. Um, from your vantage point, how do we get more people into climate? You know, uh, what, what can people, the types of different people listening here do? And, um, and what might, uh, is Drawdown Labs doing or planning on doing? Yeah, great question. I mean, if I could go back to school today, I I swear I would become an electrician. That is what I I feel like, you know, the world we the climate movement has, I I think, sort of transitioned now from needing like thought leaders and climate scientists and, you know, like these like in less direct kind of like thought leadership kinds of people into needing implementation. And I just like I have a real just, you know, have this real desire to like get actually feel like I'm getting my hands dirty and doing the work. Um, But I think overall, you know, the science tells us and Project Drawdown sort of bread and butter is understanding where, where we can focus. So if we need to bend the emissions curve this decade, we know that there are really important solutions that we need to deploy now. We need to stop methane leaks. We need to get every home and business energy efficient. And that that brings in a lot of different kinds of, so that's both, you know, people, construction workers and people like putting in, you know, glass and efficient building automation systems and things like that, but also policy. How do we get policy in place to get, you know, energy efficient buildings built and zoning? We need to get capital to those solutions. So if I'm a, if I'm an investor, if I work in philanthropy, I'm going to be trying to like steer capital toward those hyper strategic climate solutions. If I'm a lawyer, like the, 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 you know, climate change requires the best marketers, the best communicators, the best lawyers, the best, you know, people in HR who can figure out how to get green benefits to employees. We need like people who work on government affairs and policy to get policy, you know, to get their company doing policy advocacy. There are so many things that are required in both the actual implementation of solutions and hanging solar panels, but also accelerating the capital policy change, you know, the broad system um, to get those solutions, the capital and the 
the resources they need to come into the world. And Anshman, how about yourself? From your vantage point, how do we get more people into climate? What can the different types of people who are listening in today help with that? And you know, what is TerraDo doing to pull more people in? For us, uh, the three pillars on which we've built the entire premise, our, our entire theory of change, is that uh, there is this journey that people traverse when they make this transition. Um, and this journey is something that they do not do alone. Uh, in fact, it's intimidating if you realize that you have to kind of make that transition yourself. So step one is to be able to understand what the universe of climate uh, problems and solutions look like. And you have to zoom out of that uh, level and you have to go further on and try to understand uh, where those intersect with the skills that you have. So that's a very learning kind of a journey. Uh, it could happen as an individual, but it could also happen inside a corporation as a corporation tries to figure out how to upskill all of their employees to meet their decarbonization goals. The next step is to find opportunities. Um, and those opportunities could come in the shape of jobs, but they could also come in the shape of essentially internal projects that are happening inside large organizations that require this climate and sustainability lens to be brought. And that lens could be brought by someone who works in procurement, someone who works in finance, someone who works in uh, in, in uh, uh, supply chains or anything of that sort. So that's the second part, which is you need to be able to expose and make these opportunities discoverable. But the third, and, and I keep uh, lauding uh, Eugene and a bunch of other climate communities out there for this, is that I think climate is special and different in the sense that we're not trying to build the next large vertical SaaS company or the next fintech company or whatever have you, right? This is a big reason why a lot of us are working in this space is because it feels existential to us. And hmm. something that is existential that you wake up with every morning can, after a while, paralyze you. So therefore, the, the ability to be inside a caring community, and that community could be as small as a few tens of people, could be as large as a region or a nation, that community is really, really important. So a lot of the work that we have done at Terra, even though from the outside, it ostensibly looks like, oh, it's learning programs or, oh, it's job boards. But in reality, it's community building, just that these become the mechanisms by which people discover each other. I, I want to ask, uh, it could be all of you or either of you. Um, let's say I'm... Uh, an MBA student, and that's maybe not a great example because we want everybody to work in it. But let's say I, I'm an MBA student, and um, you know, I I want to. I'm really passionate about climate. I want to work in climate. I, I hear about all the things happening. What do I do? Where do I go and look? I, I I understand it. At the same time, can sometimes become discouraging, right, for some people because they have this passion. They hear about lots of things going on, but they look out. And they're like, maybe there isn't something for me. And so, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to hear uh, some suggestions for people who are listening. Don't also be MBAs. Sorry about that. But, you know, maybe just people listening who are like, hey, I want to I want to I want to go work in it. And uh, where, where do, what do I do next? Maybe I can take that question first as one of the MBAs uh, uh, who, who had that fork in the road back in the day. I think uh, my message to uh, to people who are thinking about, and not just MBAs, about uh, climate is, I started my career back in 1999 when the internet used to be called new media. It was supposed to be this cute little thing on the side. And here we are 20 years later. 
this thing, the climate economy is bigger and lot more meaningful than anything that has happened to us ever, right? In the industri- across the industrial revolution and so on. And the key thing to remember is that this is still day one. You could start walking any frontier and that frontier could be technology, some deep hard tech that you never thought you would be able to do, could be policy, could be activism, could be all kinds of things. And you would realize that not a lot of people have walked towards that frontier in the past many, many, many years. So you'll soon find yourself to be a pioneer, to be somebody who's striking through. So therefore, and, and something which is going to be, which is going to touch one third of the global GDP is going to have a lot of capital, a lot of attention coming in as well. So if I was you, I would think of tr- build, building my career in the climate economy from now until the next 20, 30 years. This is the first time in my life I've seen profit and purpose combined together with a capital P in such a major way. Mm-hmm. Great. And I, um, my own personal sentiment, even on the moderator here, I, we, we put on lots of events. There's lots of people who come up to me and they want some suggestions, perhaps introductions. And um, the one thing I'll say is that the discouraging thing is that people, a lot of people who are going for MBAs or graduate degrees, their instinct is to go and work in venture capital, um, in climate tech venture capital. And my feedback is always, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't don't look at me. And as an example, don't do that. Go work for one of these awesome startups, gain experience as an operator, and then maybe after you know some years, if you're if your company is hopefully successful, you can go and become a venture capitalist if that's what your heart desires at that time. But go actually work for the companies, gain that experience, help drive the the needle forward because they need great people like you. That's that's the messaging I try to give young people, whether they listen to me or not, is another thing. But I have seen it be effective um, so far. Uh, sorry, Jamie, yeah. I think you wanted to say something. Uh, well, I was going to respond to that because I think, I mean, I agree with that. And I think we the, we cannot grow our way out of this crisis as well. We can't like... Start, you know, new startups are not the only, are not going to, are not going to get us out of this crisis. We also need to work on the, you know, facing the fact that we're going to have to phase out a lot of businesses as well. A lot, we're going to have to phase out entire sectors and we need people doing that work of figuring out how to catch those people in, in job programs and transition those sectors. Um, so one, for one, you know, I think just, we can't capital, like we, we can't necessarily just not just, but we can't, we can't create new businesses our way out of this, I think is, is, is my reaction to that. And I think I've never met, I've never heard of a job function that I couldn't apply a climate lens to. I've never heard, I've never like heard of a job, like would name a job, like I've not named the job, name the title. It doesn't have to have sustainability in it. It shouldn't have sustainability or climate in it. I can find a climate angle to it. And that is, to me, that is what we need because the climate movement needs many more actual, you know, deep Mm -hmm. skill sets and, um, and to, and to bring, you know, to like be able to infiltrate our existing systems and transition them toward the, the future we need. I want to respond to this a little bit differently. Um, so I want to, I guess, challenge the idea that uh, building a climate workforce is about helping people who want to find a climate job find one. I think that's not at all what it is about. I think that's what the early adopter stage of this is about. 
But in the long term, if we think about the hundreds of millions of people that are, that are going to be working on this, almost all of them are not going to be doing this because they care about climate. They're going to be doing this because it's a good job that they were trained for that gets paid well. Uh, and uh, most of them are not going to be working at climate startups. They're going to be working at, you know, at, at a very large food company that has now come to its senses and is now decarbonizing itself with all its might. Right. So this is a I, I think there is a lot of, I guess, mis misconceptions about what the problem in front of us actually is. Mm -hmm. at, at Climate Tech Circle or Climate Tech Cocktails, whichever the day of the week it is or time of day it is, mm -hmm. I, I'm always sucked into the climate tech mindset. And what my biggest takeaway here from this conversation is that even though the tech startup funding uh, situation is really difficult, people might not be hiring as much in the startup, climate tech startup area, uh, you don't have to go work for a quote unquote climate tech startup to work in climate. This applies to everything and everybody. And there are uh, so many opportunities for you uh, to to actually make a difference, whether it's a new job or your current job. And so uh, with that being said, we have uh, ju time just for one rapid fire question to go around, which is, are there any final thoughts you'd like to leave listeners with? And let's go in the order that we started, Eugene. Yeah, I think um, the most useful thing that listeners can do is do whatever is in your power to get more people ready to work in this economy. If you are learning these skills, learn them together with your peers from your professional communities and you know, start learning clums, in, infuse this in the general professional community you're in, do not silo it in climate. If you are in charge of a curriculum at school, upgrade your curriculum in, in light of the needs of that industry. If you're working at a big corporate, start teaming up with your coworkers to figure out what is the low carbon future of your industry and start learning together how can you build the skills to change your company in that direction. Right. If you're in the government, you no, know, put this on your agenda. If you're a funder, put this on your agenda. This is as big as climate policy as a whole, and it's as big as climate investment as a whole, because literally the whole point of those things is to for people to build it. Love it, Jamie. Love it. Um, yeah, I would say you know we need to be able to like take risks. We need to be able to we need to like push, use every ounce of our access and influence and resources to move things faster and not leave anything on the table. Anshuman. My message would be do not look away. And what I mean by that is that uh, things are going to get worse before they get better, probably much worse. Uh, they're going to get much worse, not always in your neighborhood, but sometimes in your neighborhood too. Uh, sometimes it'll happen in faraway countries, uh, but those faraway countries are intimately connected to who you are and who uh, what we are. So don't look away. Uh, make sure that uh, your actions uh, resemble uh, and they, they mimic and they mirror the uh, empathy that you feel for what's happening with the climate crisis all around the world. And you will find a way. You will find a way to use your skills, your passion, your network to find a place in uh, in this climate economy. It need not be something that you expected right away, but stay true to your feeling about how big this is. Fantastic. Great way to end it. And thank you so much for our esteemed panelists for joining us today. And also for everybody listening in, let's get to work.